2: 10-22, maybe it's later than that. But the Knicks played their first three games of the season. We are back with the Talking Knicks crew to talk about their first three. We got a win and a couple losses, but some bright spots. So hey, let's talk Knicks. The New York Knicks
1: select Krista Porzingis. Posting toes, and stuffing. To getting igniting exciting the garden crowd.
2: bum, 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 bum. Bump, bump, bump. Bum. Welcome back. If if you guys were listening to us last year, we appreciate you. If you're listening to our preseason profile player projections, we appreciate you listening to that. I'm Jake um, of Talking Yanks fame, Last from the past. We got a podcast coming out my nose. Um, and I'm excited. We got back to some Knicks basketball, and we've got the full Talking Knicks crew in the house today. We've got... Gregory Poon—he's been called the Trey Burke of the of the Talking Knicks crew. What do you think about that, Greg? I'll take it. I don't know what it means, but I'll take it. I like that a lot of early spirit. Joined by Kenneth Poon, your three and D expert, as he'll tell you. I'll give a Lance Thomas comparison, maybe.
1: Yeah, well, uh, Lance Thomas might be the best player to ever wear a Knicks uniform, um, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take that.
2: Lance hit a it. couple big shots uh, in I'm, the Celtics game.
1: Yeah, he did. But before that, he played pretty bad. But I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna stick by my statement that he is probably the best Nick player ever to do it. And wow. uh, I'm sure, I'm sure the old school fans know my reference, and the new school fans think I'm insane. But whatever, you yeah, know. Yeah, we'll That's explain that at some point.
2: Aggressive, if you see some of his box scores from the past couple games, and rounding be, it out. I'll be, I'll be honest.
0: I know the story. I still think you're insane.
2: <laughs> All right. And that, that's All called right, bro. brotherly love, people. Um, and finishing it off, Thomas Piccolo, Tommy Stats, Tommy Smokes, Tommy Two Times. He's been called the American Enos Cantor in some circles.
3: Yeah, I am not wanted in this country either. Uh, I wasn't <laughs> a podcast is, is nothing without a bunch of inside jokes. So, so good for Kenny for bringing that Lance Thomas love. Let's go from there.
2: I love it. I love it. Well, how's how's everybody feeling? Just just quick. We saw we saw 3 games. I I think there's kind of a lot to like. We saw energy, heart, hustle. We saw some good basketball. We saw some bad basketball, but I mean, Tom?
3: Yeah, Jake. I mean, you said it. There is a lot to like here. Granted, we are now currently 1 in 2, 3 games in. With a with a win in the home opener versus the Atlanta Hawks, we dropped two on the road to the Brooklyn Nets um, and the Boston Celtics, which we did not expect to win. But but I will say that those two losses were were very competitive. They were lost in the final minute. I'm sure we're going to talk about some some crunch time play and some some uh, decisions made by the coaching staff. But I mean, in all, you're gonna you got to love the the fire, the competitiveness this team played with, and uh, I mean. It's hard to be upset as a Knicks fan. I'll say that much.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Greg, how, how was your weekend? You were in Philly a little bit? Did yeah. You so any I've, scouting
3: I've, reports?
0: I've only seen one game of the Knicks so far, so I'm thinking they still might go undefeated. I saw okay. that Hawks game. and uh, like that. Yeah, I mean, went down to Philly this weekend, tried to go to the Sixers game, but bought some tickets that were uh, already scanned in, so didn't make it. So the Sixers are, the Sixers are terrible.
2: <laughs> the dream weekend. Kenny, how was your weekend and 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 how how about a little of that heart and soul we saw from
3: the Knicks?
1: Uh good weekend. I hung out with Tom like two hours ago. So, you know, okay. I've I've seen him recently, hung out with my my parents for a little bit and my other brother who's not on the pod, if he's listening, shout out to Rob. Um, but yeah, man, I this is about as good as I could feel about a one and two team like ever. Uh, this is how I thought I was going to feel most of last year uh, because we're really not expecting them to win too many games. And, you know, even when they lose, it's like, oh, this will be better for our pick. So it's probably, probably fine. Um, and so, like, to the Knicks fans who are still holding out for every win, I mean, Hopefully they turn it around and they win the rest of the games. But if they don't and they are what we expect them to be, like just remember how you felt after uh, the Knicks, you know, won the last couple of games the last two years and then moved down in the lottery. It's like these games matter for that purpose too. So I'm I'm not I'm not hating the losses, and all I'm really looking for is uh, some like good hard play and some development, which we've seen. So I'm excited.
3: Yeah, we, we As we, long as we're talking about brothers, I will say Kenny and I were just visiting my brother at the Lasting Brass Brewery in Oakville. Maybe we can ooh, get him as a sponsor. Shout out. Sponsor. First, first
2: sponsor for 2018. Um, yeah, we joked about it a lot last year, but we said when the Knicks started playing for picks, ideally they play a good basketball game and then they lose right at the end. And that's yeah. what they did in the two losses. So Yeah, so um,
1: doing, let's, doing what, we what we told them to.
2: Yeah, let's let's get into the games. You guys know if there's ever an opportunity for me to toot my own horn, I'm going to do it, and something popular from Talking Yanks was me burning the game, so I'm going to try to bring it to the basketball court. We'll see how it is. Maybe you boys yeah. will have to cut me off. but
1: I gotta say, I'm interested to see how this goes because I feel like the burn is better better developed for a baseball game when you know there's only so many runs and you can list them all, but, uh, that's I'm, what you think. Challenge accepted. Burn, Jakey, burn. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Let's do this.
2: Kenny, Kenny, you can have the first honors. Give give me a little 3-2-1 countdown.
1: 3, 2, 1, burn.
2: Opening night at Madison Square Garden, hosting the Hotlanta Hawks in an October basketball game that could have serious draft lottery implications. In classic Knicks fashion, they would start by going four minutes without a field goal but not only would they recover, they would put up a 72 spot in the first half, led by a 16-point second quarter by Timmy Chimmy. In the second half, the Hawks would pull within 13, but that would be as close as they'd get. Iso-Zo, Alonzo Trier drops the hammer on a highlight dunk to end the third. Iso-Zo, Mario Hisonia makes some ridiculous shots in the fourth. THJ finishes with 31, 16 from cancer. 15 apiece from Burke, Cazonia, and Trier. We're all getting Von Laid tonight. He had 12. Knicks and Fizdale win in his debut, 126 to 107. Let's go, Knicks. Don't tell me it stays in baseball, baby. I,
1: that, you know, I, I'm eating my words, man. That was good. That was, that was a lot better than I anticipated. I've heard better.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Before I throw up on myself and Mr. I heard better, Greggy Poon. Greggy, This was the game you were tuned into. Opening night at the Garden. Give give me your thoughts. I mean,
0: like we said, like you said, beginning bad. Missed a lot of shots. Took a lot of bad shots. Uh, You saw Tim Hardaway missing it. I mean, Tim Hardaway was basically just a microcosm of the night. He represented what was happening. So he started out bad and then just caught fire and was unbelievable. We're talking playoffs. We're talking. Uh, are we getting home court in the in the first round? We're thinking about it. So that that first first game was a good one. You know, we really dominated the Hawks. And um, the other thing is that the Hawks are very bad. And uh, Jeremy Lin was bad, which was sad to see. He's the greatest Nick of all time. Um, but you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. loved it. Yeah, loved, a lot of good players spread it around. I think. Uh, Fizdale had 10 or 11 guys playing already in the first quarter, so he's going to spread out the minutes. It's going to be a good time.
2: Ken, a guy that I, I see you falling in love with before our eyes, Alonzo Trier, ISOZO. The rookie puts his stamp on his first game in the garden. Give me a little on him and whoever else jumped
3: out to you.
1: So I don't know why you think Trier is gonna be my boy, because I feel like I've said in every single podcast, I'm a three and D guy, and Trier's not so much a D come guy.
2: Come on, come on.
1: He's a, the guy gets buckets, man. The guy yeah. gets buckets, and I'll give him that. Uh, I like it when he gets buckets. That was a big time uh dunk he had, and he really got the garden energized. Uh, I'd like to see more from him on the defensive end, but like you can't you can't complain about it in that that situation where he went off. He, you know, he had himself a great game. And uh, just as the game as a whole, kind of like Greg was saying, um, there was a lot of mystery going into this one. First game of the season. We have no idea what we're getting out of this team. We have no idea what the rotations are going to be, what Fizdale is going to do, like what they're we have, you know, a little bit of an idea of their style of play based on the preseason. But like Greg said, first quarter, 11 guys played and like the the rotations were, you know, a little bit unpredictable but it became a little more clear uh the next couple of games and maybe we'll talk about a little bit and i think tom mentioned it in his article that fizzdale seems to be a hot hand guy and whoever's playing well that that's going to be the guy that stays in the longest and he's going to do his rotations at about the same time every um quarter but the guys who are coming in and out are going to be depending on how everyone's playing and that was that was something that i was really interested to see that game Tom,
2: what little hot hand? What, what 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 was the box score telling you that maybe other things weren't telling you? Or you you know me, I, I tried to steal your pick and roll stat on Twitter, but what what do you have for us on this game?
3: Yeah, I mean, I probably will go a little further into that into that pick and roll stat. Uh, Kenny mentioned the hot hand. I think that definitely applies more to to these closer games, these last two. Luckily, the Knicks didn't have to worry about that against the Hawks. That was kind of a, a blowout. Which was encouraging to see that they didn't take their foot off the gas. That they, that this team can can blow teams out. That's that's encouraging to see. Um, I will say that one of the main things I noticed was with Frank Aquina the guy we drafted last year as a point guard, he he really didn't see a lot of action in terms of uh, initiating offense. He was rarely a point guard in this game against the Hawks, which was troubling. You know, even though you've got Trey Burke running point. I mean, Moutier wasn't even you know, playing in this game. So it wasn't like he was competing with a bunch of different point guards. The other guys you saw initiating offense were Ron Baker. It was Alonzo Trier. It just Frank Nielakina had to defer to a bunch of different off guards and kind of played an interesting role where he, he was not initiating any offense. He, he only, he didn't finish a single possession as the pick and roll ball handler, which is kind of a good barometer for, um, for running the offense. So um, luckily he did pick it up in the next two games. But the the first game was not encouraging as far as Frank's role, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, and un- unfortunately, yeah, with with the first game, Frank, it, you you want to see a little more. Um, but I mean, overall, up and down, up and down the box score, pretty good night from Knicks players. Um, the the only other one, Knox, had 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 a very much rookie night. But um, and unfortunately, as Greg said, this was against the Atlanta Hawks. There was times when Vince Carter was their best player on the court by far. But Fisdale gets his first win. The Knicks move on. We'll, we'll circle a little more on the players later for now. I think we jump to, to game two, the Brooklyn game. Tom, Tom, you want to give me the, the countdown this time? We'll treat two,
3: one. You got it. Three, two, one, burn.
2: No sleep till bump up. The Knicks grab their skinny jeans and micro brews cross town to play the upstart Brooklyn Nets. The Knicks would get off to a slow start going down 19-9 early in the first quarter, but would figure it out including some pretty shots from Kevin Knox showing his potential, but the Knicks would still be down 7 at the half. The Knicks would take their first lead of the game at 70-69 late in the third on a THJ jumper, which would start a really fun back and forth. Cantor and Timmy getting buckets for the Knicks. The Nets getting led by Lavert and Ernie, a.k.a. D'Angelo Russell. Cantor with the old school and one to tie it at 105 with 16 seconds left. Oh no, there he goes, there he goes again. Karis Levert, the game-winning layup with one second left. 29 apiece from Cantor and Timmy wouldn't be enough as the Knicks lose 105 to 107 to their crosstown rivals, question mark, Kenny?
1: I guess. I mean, I, I think there was some fun back and forth between uh, Cantor and Dinwiddie over the offseason about who the better team in New York is. Doesn't really matter. Neither of them are very good. So like, whatever. Uh, but again, it's all about kind of this season's all about what you see from the players and and hopefully seeing uh, some some improvement. The big thing for me was I think it was the beginning of the third quarter when Frankie just went off. You know, I think he scored uh, seven points or something in a very short span, and that kind of sparked the Knicks' comeback. And, you know, that's great to see. And that went along with some pretty solid defense, which, again, not, not to harp on Tom's article too much, but I think he mentioned in his article about Frank guarding uh, LaVert early on. Um, decently, not, I mean, LaVert got his points, but uh, Frankie looked pretty good.
3: Man, and the, just Jumping in there real quick, you mentioned the, the beginning of the third quarter for Frank. And uh, that kind of builds off of what I was saying about Frank in the first game, was that he wasn't getting any opportunities in the pick and roll. But uh, in the, the third quarter of the game against Brooklyn, he actually got multiple, like he got three opportunities in a row, and it was really the same play over and over again. They were setting double screens where the four and five. I believe it was uh, Cantor and Lance Thomas every time, setting a double screen for Frank at the top of the key. And the first time he came to his left and pulled up and hit a three, the second time he came to his left – and dribbled in a bit and hit a mid-range jump shot. And the third time, he went to his right and hit a little floater. It was seven quick points, and and Frank was just fired up after that. So yeah, it was it was really encouraging to see Fizdale give Frank an opportunity to create out of the pick and roll after really not getting that chance in the first game.
1: Yeah, and I you mentioned that he was fired up, and I think uh, Clyde mentioned it as well because that's something that we haven't seen from Frank, and like it's it's. You know, last year he was very hesitant and uh, he seemed like very reserved. And this year he had a nice couple of minutes, scored s- quick seven points, and he got fired up. And you know that's what we're looking for him to grow some confidence this year and develop into um, you know an improved offensive player while maintaining the the defense that he's played this year. So good, uh, good start for that. What do you what do you got on that, Jake?
2: Man, I it's. It's going to be again one of these concepts that goes through the year. It's it's just the development of Frank and I. I know it it was really interesting and I'll I'm I'm going to end up passing it to Tom again because he's he was eyeballing it more more than a lot of people. He's he's looking at sets and stuff. People. He's not just talking out his butt like me. But it's it's interesting seeing who they're putting Frank on defensively because I I mean he comes out you know. You got Levert, Dinwiddie, guys like that who are actually kind of unique matchups, but someone that Frank kind of lines up with. But it's going to be interesting. We've seen – I saw him on Tatum a lot in the Celtics game. It's, it's interesting. I, I think Fisdale has gone into this year with Frank, from what I've seen so far, saying, Frank, do what you can do on offense. Do some passing. Do some shooting. You know, Don't be shy out there. You can be special defensively this year. And I'm going to throw you into the fire, whether it's a Tatum, whether it's Levert or whoever it is. But, uh, again, I, Tom, Tom probably has some actual numbers and information that he can use on that instead of me following my heart like I always do.
3: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that uh, Frank started on Levert, and, and he did he did guard Karis Levert for the, for the first half. Levert was coming off a 27-point game in Detroit, and Frank actually did struggle a little bit to begin the game. He he gave up eleven points to Levert on on four of six shooting, three of three from the free throw line. Um, but then in the second half, <laughs> Vizdale actually had Frank matched up on Joe Harris and put Tim Hardaway Jr. on Levert, which I thought was really curious. I didn't really understand that. I, I could see him not wanting to have Tim Hardaway Jr. chase Harris around screens off the ball, but I mean, to me, it's it's just as exhausting to be you know trying to defend Levert in pick and rolls, uh, possession after possession. So that didn't really make sense to me. And it actually really did hurt down the stretch because Tim Hardaway Jr. just struggled to contain, to contain Levert who, uh, lit it up in the fourth quarter.
2: Greggy, any, any, oh, Ken, what you got, bud? I
3: so to say, including that
1: last shot, which pretty much put the nail in the coffin.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Literally the... <laughs> Just kind of a layup with one second left Greg well, Fiz- any box score fan thoughts fizz uh, thoughts
0: Fizdale said something like he 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 left him on just because he wants them to be a better defender so maybe not the best time to teach a lesson <laughs> with the actual game on the line but you know I guess I get it
2: but. yeah hey if it, if it moves us up a draft slot in in June may, maybe we'll take it so. Um, and we got I, I think we got we got one more game. The the Celts. Uh, Greg, would would you like the 3-2-1 honors?
0: 3-2-1 burn.
2: Four days into the season, and the Knicks are getting their back to back on. Facing the boys from the Commonwealth, the Boston Celtics minus Gordon Hayward. And an early theme from this Knicks team with another slow start, going down 26 to 10. Buzz, your girlfriend. Woof. The Knicks would get the lead to two before the half. With speaking of back-to-back, Damian Dotson with back-to-back threes after they were about to file a missing persons report after not playing the first two. Down the stretch, the garden was rocking and we had some fun knicks Celt's action. Lance Thomas with the big three to go down one with 50 seconds left. Jason Tatum would have six points in the final minute, but he'd also make a crucial mistake. He fouls Trey Burke on a deep three with 1.9 on the clock and the Knicks down three say it ain't so I will not go the first free throw lips out intentionally misses the last one it's your it's the final 24 from THJ another 15 point performance from Trier but the Knicks fall 101-103 Celts win slash Knicks lose question mark Ken you're you're hot and ready to go
1: yeah I mean it was it was a good exciting game up until that very last point I know I was, uh, when uh, Tatum fouled Burke, I was kind of losing it. Although, you know, they had just missed, missed, the Knicks had just missed a bunch of free throws. So, like, I wasn't entirely confident about him making all three. But to have him miss the first really puts a damper on things. And then, you know, had uh, makes the second and intentionally misses the third. And can't pull up the rebound, Knicks lose. But what are you going to do? It happened. You know, move on. Seventeen for
0: twenty-seven from the free throw line for the game. Is
2: that good, Greg? Bad. Bad for a professional basketball 16, 63%. team.
1: Sixty-three percent. Not particularly. In the, I think it was the uh, mostly the fourth quarter. I think they missed a bunch, which was particularly bad. And I think Clyde made the astute comment that that will come back to bite you when you miss free throws. So there you go,
2: missing and pissing away W's. Tom, Tom, what do you have from this game, buddy?
3: Well, so one thing that kind of was disturbing was was Frank Nielakina's minutes. I know I, I harp on Frank a lot, and I will be probably all season. Sure. But uh, he was a minus 22 in his 19 minutes, which was by far the worst on the team. Uh, the second worst was just a minus 8 from Lance Thomas at 17 minutes, Kenny's favorite player. So – I don't know kind of what the, the correlation was. Frank actually did defend pretty well uh, when he was on Jason Tatum. He held him to to one of three shooting with a couple turnovers and just seven points. But, um, and so when, when Frank was off of Tatum, he kind of was able to get off a bit. But um, there was something about Frank's minutes that just didn't go well. He was only one of five from three. He had a couple turnovers. It just, it it, it wasn't pretty for him. And, and just 19 minutes is really not, what we're looking for for him. We're hoping for him to get up in like the, the 30 minute per game range. Um, and, and part of it was the fact that he wasn't playing crunch time, um, that those minutes were actually going to Alonzo Trier. And <laughs> surprisingly, it was actually also um, Noah Vonley at the power forward position getting minutes in crunch time along with Enos Cantor. That was a really surprising uh, crunch time lineup. I'm, I'm curious, to hear, curious to hear what you guys have to say about that. So, Tom, before before we jump into the
1: crunch time lineup, I want to take my minute to defend Frank because that's what I do because I love Frank. Um, yeah, the, I think you know this, so I, I'm speaking to the, the choir here, but just for, for our listeners, plus minus not a great stat for a single game. Um, over the course of the season, it becomes a little more relevant and you get to see how um, teams play with someone on. In this game in particular, because Frank's minutes were limited – and because he was on the court at the beginning of the game when they went down 16, um, that was part of it. Uh, he did not have a lot to do with that min- That uh, going down by 16. I remember he was playing good defense, and he just didn't really get many shots up in that period. So I can't blame him for them going down 16, which is a big part of his minus 22. Um but like you said, he played solid defense. He didn't have a great offensive game. He hit a couple shots early, and then he went cold. Um, he missed a few wide open threes, which you know some of them rimmed out. But you know that's basketball. Hopefully he he gets the shot together. But not not gonna slam this guy for going uh, for the minus twenty two. I just don't think that that's a, a fair assessment.
2: Yeah, Tom. So, something on the crutch timeline. lineup, a, a cup One one fun thing for me. Watching Alonzo Trier and Marcus Smart go one on one when when Trier's playing playing offense, I think that's both of their dream. Just Isozo getting to go at Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart getting to go at Isozo. There, I, I saw a little fun fun bump and run action there. Tom, I think something and. I, I don't know. I think the rotation is going to be very fluid, especially earlier in the year and with the matchups going on on the court. We Hey, we saw Cantor play in some fourth quarters. So that is neat. Um, I think something that needs to be said that you wouldn't see in the box score, the Celtics' two – I think their final two fourth-quarter possessions were broken plays. The Knicks played pretty good defense – the ball got kicked around a little bit and ended up in Celtics players' hands, which were, I wouldn't say it was even 50-50 hustle balls or anything like that. The the Knicks defense made a play. The ball just ended up in the wrong place. So I don't know. I, I think it's it's one of those things. If either of those two plays, the ball ends up in a Knicks players' fan or they make you know half of their missed free throws, it's a very different game down the stretch, Tommy.
3: Yeah, I, I'm with you on that uh, that second-to-last play where Jason Tatum ended up just getting a, a wide-open dunk. I mean, that was just a freak lucky play. Walt Frazier mentioned the luck of the Irish on that one, and that was fair. This The, the very last play um, when Tatum missed that wide-open dunk, I don't know that I would call that necessarily a broken play. Like He probably should have made that. That was within the flow of the offense. When he missed that dunk, they got it back, and then they really just had like a set offense again. Um. So, so I think there was some opportunity for a stop at that point, but I, I completely understand what you're saying. Like that, that wide open Tatum dunk was huge, and there was very little the Knicks could have done to stop it. They were playing great defense all possession. I, I did notice that.
1: Yeah, and I have two things to add. Uh, first, is we saw it there in the last couple possessions. Um, the new rule change that goes goes back to 14 instead of 24 that really picked up the pace of the game and made it a lot more kind of exciting. Whereas normally in that situation where the Celtics get it, they're pulling it out and then they're holding it for 10 seconds, setting things up here. You don't have that much time. So you kind of get right back in the flow of the offense. So I, I really did enjoy that. Um, and I thought it, it's so far so good on that rule change. Second, going back to the, the crunch time lineup, um, it was interesting in that they had Hardaway Cantor, Burke and Trier alongside Lance Thomas. And I would say the only one of those guys I would rate as above average at defense is Lance Thomas. So you have Hardaway Burke and, uh, and Trier who are all gunners and are all ready to shoot. And there was a couple times when Timmy made a few shots and then like, he just decided he was going to shoot a bunch Trier was open on one, and I saw him just kind of, like, waving his hands in the air, and after Timmy shot it, he was just, like, still waving his hands in the air as though, like, what are you doing, man? I'm open. I'm the shooter. You got to hit me. I saw that, Uh, too,
3: Kenny. I I did not appreciate that, you know? you got Because you know Tim Hardaway Jr. saw that out of the corner of his eye, too, and you don't want people second-guessing your shot in such a big moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it's particularly, like... Trier is an undrafted free agent that they just signed, who's been playing well. But like Tim Hardaway Jr. right now is the cornerstone of this Knicks team without without Kristaps uh, out there. So like, give the man some respect. But like, it was just interesting to see all these Gunners out there and not much defense. And like Jake said, they they held up surprisingly well on the defensive end. Although in the end, they uh, it didn't turn out to be enough.
2: Greggy, any any closing thoughts from Philly when you were getting chocolate wasted with your college buds?
1: Um,
0: I have no idea what happened in this basketball game. <laughs> but the 76ers magic game was crazy at the end. That's true.
2: That's true. And that was talking Sixers.
1: Um, yeah. Let's. I think before we go on, I think we <laughs> just got to give – you gave a little bit of love to Dame Dot and uh, Von Leigh, But I just, we just got to say th- those guys played good games, so – that's all you need to know. Maybe someone will bring him up later. We don't know, but I just want to mention that those guys played played good games.
2: Yeah, Dame Dame uh, that and that was great to see. Uh, after a couple DNPs, he he came in and and did his thing. I, I thought there were a couple moments on on defense he looked a little lost, but you can also somewhat blame that on on not playing. But let's uh let's jump to a wart. Talking Knicks award. This is another theft from Talking Yanks, but. You know, just a little fun, giving the guys some love. Some of the guys you missed along the way. I'm going to bat lead off again because my on base percentage is off the charts. I'm giving the Charles Oakley Light Award, and and I think this is a no brainer if you've been watching the games. But I'm giving it to the man Ken just brought up, Noah Von Ley man. And it's <laughs> there's nothing flashy about it. Um, he's he's averaging <laughs> he's averaging seven points. And nine point seven rebounds, and these in the first three games. And he's what's he shooting from the field right now? He's he's shooting. Oh, I had it in front of me, uh, seventy <laughs> percent, which pretty good. That's going to have you in league leader category towards the end of the year if he keeps up that clip. But man, we should have him shoot
1: every shot, Kenny. If you he's mentioned he's going to shoot seventy
2: percent. You mentioned in his player his player preview and profile. He's he's roped up. He's a guy that came into the league at age 1920. He kind of put in his due with the Trailblazers and had to find his playing time when he when he found it. And they use their big man as just as generic big man as they could be, which is kind of paying off because the guy hangs out under the basket. He plays big, and he's kind of roped up now. He's giving me Charles Oakley light vibes. And I I mean I, I I've just loved what I've seen from him. And I also remember, I mean Two weeks ago, we were talking about if this guy even had a ro- a guaranteed roster spot, and it, it kind of shook me a little bit because I was like, I, I think this guy's gonna be our best big man for most of the season, and and to see to see him doing what he's doing what he do when he does what he do, that that was a lot for me.
3: Tom, yeah, Jake. Um, so Kenny's mentioned it a couple times. This article I wrote for the the, the B Ball Index. Um, it's called. Nick's buzzer beater, it's 3-2-1. It's three observations, two questions, and a prediction. Um, you go check that out on the B-Ball Index. But my, my one prediction was that Noah Vonley will replace Kylo Quinn as MSG's fan favorite big off the bench. And he's definitely – I just think that what he's done so far is sustainable. He's been just a monster down there. I know he grabbed like 10 boards in 11 minutes in the game against Boston – But it hasn't been just the rebounding. Like he he's taken a lot of pride on defense. He's defending the pick and roll well. He's been very switchable. He was actually the one guarding Jason Tatum for a lot of crunch time um, when he was playing the four spot, which was a a no easy task for him. He one thing I also liked that I brought up with Kenny, and he kind of just poo pooed it. But he he does the grab and go thing. He he grabs a rebound and he just he'll bring it down court. And there was one play in particular that I liked a lot where he kind of got it across half court before Boston's defense was set up. He did a little dribble handoff with Dame dot and set a screen and Dame dot got a wide open 15 footer. And it's just, it's, it'll be interesting to see what he can do going forward with that skill set because it hasn't really amounted to anything so far, but you could easily see that turning into highlight dunks or just, or some playmaking in transition. I'm, I'm, I've really enjoyed what I've seen from Vonley and, I mentioned before in a different pod, I have his game-worn jersey basketball card. I am really hoping for him to pop off.
2: Tom, my my favorite thing you said there was the sustainability, because none of it was fluky. It it wasn't like Vonley ended up with the ball in the post with three seconds left and was taking fadeaways. He was in the right spots. He was rebounding. Um, And, yeah, a couple just just what you want your big man to do. When when people were driving and they'd collapse – a nice little drop pass, and and Von Le would throw it down. Ken, you got a you got a quick hitter, and then you got your award.
1: Yeah, I mean um, to defend myself and uh, give some context to what Tom was talking about when when I was uh, poo pooing him as he said. Uh, when uh, and first off, I love what Vonleh is doing. But when Vonleh brings it down and then runs and then uh, dribbles it up court, usually what he'll do is he'll just put top or uh, pass the ball to the guy at the top of the key and let them start the offense. So he's, he wasn't really doing anything with those possessions was my point. Although Tom mentioned an instance where, you know, he did do something with it and uh, create positive offensively, but like to see him do more and um, you know, get in there and, and throw down a dunk or something. I don't know. And second thing, if we're going to talk about Charles Oakley, I mean, you better put some respect on that name. Until ley punches someone in the face, I'm not ready to call him Charles Oakley. I will stick with what Tom said and uh, call him a uh, Kylo Quinn version 2.0. A
2: lot, lot of, lot of poo pooing, and a lot of face punching for for the first pot of the year. Uh, Kenny, Kenny, what? Who's who's your what and who is your first award?
1: So, um, I mean, I guess. Uh, I said maybe someone would bring up Vonleh and Dotson before, and my my sec, my award is where'd you come from award, which is Damian Dotson, who was the only player who didn't play in the first game besides Courtney Lee, who was injured, and I'm pretty sure is the only player who didn't play in the second game, uh, besides Mitchell Robinson and Courtney Lee, who were both injured. So like he comes in. Um, after an injury to Kevin Knox, which I don't know if we talked about, but maybe we should have talked more about, um, but Kevin Knox goes down. So it gives Dame dot a minute to get in. He gets in, he hits a couple big threes. He plays some solid defense and he's playing, he's playing fourth quarter minutes. All of a sudden it's like, where did this guy come from? But it, it goes back to, you know, the, the plan, the hot hand thing that we've talked a lot about where Dame dot comes in, he does well. And all of a sudden he's playing meaningful minutes and he played, 22 minutes and 21 seconds, which is more than more than Lance Thomas, more than Frank, more than Ron Baker, who, you know, was apparently out there. So, like, he played a lot of minutes, and he did well in those minutes. So, it'll be interesting to see, you know, is he going to keep playing these minutes? Is, did that game get him kind of bumped up the, the uh, rotation a little bit, or what's going to happen there? Or is this just kind of a fluke incident where, you know, Knox got hurt and we needed someone else to come in and just kind of my, my closing thing on Damian Dotson is eventually with Trier on the roster, we're going to have to find someone else to cut. And it looked for a while, like it might've been Damian Dotson because he was the only guy not playing, but now it's like, I don't know who's going to be the guy that's on the chopping block.
2: Yeah. It seems you, you you can throw the term player coach out there easily. And it, it you know, it can mean a lot of things. Is is it just a cool guy uh, which Fizdale has that going? He's got good energy on the bench. It also seems like he's going to empower guys. If 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 he's going to throw you in, he's going to throw you in and give you some run, especially if you're hot. Greggy, any any Dame Dot quick hitters or uh, just a little jab to the gut at Ron Baker or anything like that? No, I'm I'm coming around to Ron Baker mostly
0: because uh, he just plays a bunch. So well, <laughs> I, don't know. I, can't, I can't just be unbelievably mad. And then I don't know if you. You guys saw his Instagram. Someone commented and was like, hey, you're the worst player in the NBA. You're wasting a war roster spot. And he just commented back and said, thanks. It's (laughs) hilarious. Like we've always said, we don't love watching him play basketball, but we want to hang out with the guy.
2: Yeah, we like Ron.
0: He wrote a kid's book. How how bad could he be? Yeah, and I bought said kid's book. How is
2: it, Greg? Did you you
0: finish it? What page are you on? Honestly, I've only had it for a couple years, so I'm not quite done. But his uh his meter isn't perfect. <laughs> That's all I'll say.
3: Well,
2: Tom, I I don't know a better segue to 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 pass it on to you for your award tonight.
3: Yeah, I mean, I could talk meters all day with Greg, but uh I guess the the award I want to give out here is the Shane Larkin Award for Is this guy really going to get this many minutes? Tell and me I- it's Ron Baker. <laughs> it is ron baker wow it was Segways. Uh, <laughs> i didn't yeah that's that is a perfect segue. but uh i mean really in in that first game where i mentioned frank was getting he finished zero possessions out of the pick and roll ron baker got a couple and not just that but but frank was actually passing the ball in the backcourt to ron baker to let him facilitate the offense and it was just it was almost too much to watch, I, I I couldn't handle that at all. I I I don't hate Ron Baker. I know there's a lot of that hate going around. I don't. I, I appreciate how hard he plays, uh, how much effort he expends on defense in particular, but that it doesn't justify a few things. It doesn't justify his contract with the player option, and it doesn't justify how many minutes he gets, especially over guys who are supposed to be cornerstones of the franchise like Frank. Um, and so. You know, if Ron Baker is playing some garbage time and, and maybe even just a, a couple spot minutes here and there to inspire guys, almost in like a Rudy type of role, I, I can get behind that. But, uh, but actual actual meaningful NBA minutes, I do not think belong to Ron Baker.
2: Yeah, and that's <laughs> I, I I loved what you said at the end there. There a lot of Ron Baker. Ron Baker hate comes from things out of his control, like his contract. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I would have taken the money too. Uh, a little Jacoby Ellsbury light situation going on there. I, uh, I I see you ready to go, Ken, and I see you too, Greg. Ron, Ron's always a fun topic.
1: I mean, I'm with both Greg and Tom. Like I I turned around on him a little bit after seeing that Instagram comment because like I have nothing against the guy. I like Tom said, I appreciate how hard he tries. I Don't think he's a great basketball player. I think he's a very solid defender, but in the first two games, he was the second guy off the bench. And it's like, I don't know if he's that good, but you know, he tries hard on defense. I don't know that I want him. I, you know what, to be honest, I would be much, much better with him in the role that they have Franken, where like they put him over in the corner and they don't really let him do that much on offense. Half the time, like if they did that to Ron Baker and just had him play defense, I think I'd like him more, but that's not what they're doing. They're just giving him the ball and letting him run point, which is a wild thing. But I digress. Greg. Yeah.
0: The thing is, if, if when you're on Nick's Reddit, Nick's Reddit's really the pig the problem with Ron Baker, because you, you you say anything bad about him and they they tell you he's the best player ever. <clears throat> but then they say stuff like, you know, if he can make shots then he'd be good. That's that's a big if, you know? If I could make shots in the NBA, I'd be good. And then you get – people say, like, you know, you got guys like Marcus Smart, Roberson, Patrick Beverly who who aren't great offensively, but they just play defense. But, like, he's not any of those guys. He's not even close to being on their level. So, good guy, bad basketball player.
3: Man, I, I saw a few plays where Ron Baker just gave up straight line drives to guys right to the rim. And I was like, you're supposed to be the defender. What What's going on here? So, it – I mean he, he like we said it's not a lack of effort it's not a personality thing but you know he's just not good he's not talented enough he's not good enough to be a rotation NBA player it's not his fault he shouldn't be telling Fizdale hey play me less it's just hopefully over time they see his role for what it should be and and you know Nick's read it does kind of make it seem like if you don't appreciate Ron Baker, then you're just not sophisticated enough to understand what he, the intangibles he brings to a team, but he could bring those intangibles behind the scenes. Let, let those keep those in the locker room. He's, he's not bringing enough on the court to really justify his presence on it.
2: Yeah. And I, I don't want to draw too much from my personal experience, but it seems like there's a little bit new coach. I'm going to give the guy who hustles a lot, a couple minutes just to show the guys that 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 stuff actually pays off. Um, Which again is fine. You, you, you know, we'll see how the Courtney Lee stuff plays out like Damian Dotson. It just seems like that guy has the potential to be a quality role player in the NBA. Um, And the other thing that's just scary is, you know, Ron Baker does hustle and he can play some defense on, on the right matchup, but him playing point guard on offense. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's frightening a little bit, but We'll we'll see how that plays off more. And hey, may, maybe if we are playing for a pick by the end of the year, give, give him the minutes.
3: Um, yeah, Jake, real quick, you brought up Dame Dot, and I will say he played great defense himself. Like he was kind of considered an offensive option primarily last year. But I know when he was D-ing up Jason Tatum, I felt much better about that than when other guy than when even when Lance Thomas was on him. Like Dame Dot, he, first of all, he talk, we talked about Vonleh getting roped up. Damien Dotson got himself in the weight room too, and he's got a a big body, and he used it too. He was a he was very strong defensively against Boston, and I'm interested to see where that goes.
2: He wasn't with him shooting in the gym, Greggy. Greggy Poon, our final award tonight. What do you have, brother nature? Uh, my award
0: is uh, what is happening right now, and it that it boy. goes to the one and only Mario Hazonia.
2: Yes, guy, thank God. This
0: guy is something else. I, I can't, I don't know. I watch him and I say, what is happening right now? You know, that first game when the Knicks beat the Hawks and he just came in, they were winning and he was just throwing the ball at the basket. Just up oh, Kobe for three. <laughs> just all that fourth quarter. He, he like scored a bunch of points, but he also threw up the most ridiculous shots I've ever seen. And when it's going in, I'm sure it's the most fun thing ever to watch. But when that's not going in, I, I can't imagine watching it. So it'll be yeah. a exciting season season with Azonia. And the one thing I said was during that fourth quarter, I texted you guys and I said, <clears throat> now I understand that between the legs fast fast break that he did on the magic. And I, <laughs> and, and and I that, don't, I don't know how to feel about
1: it. And that's exactly right. Cause the guy is so unpredictable. It's ridiculous. Like, there'll be times when he looks like a very good basketball player. He'll go and make a basketball move and like make a pull up jump shot. And then there's other times it like, he's just going way too fast and like just going crazy. We're um, Yukon guys. I don't know if you guys remember Doug Wiggins. He was a little bit like that where he was just like, he's out there just trying, trying to go way too fast and like throw things at the rim and, you know, get down to the other court, other end of the court for like a layup, but there's five guys there, but he's going to go for it anyways and try to lay it in over them and just kind of throw it as hard as he can off the backboard. And like, there were a few times where he did that. I was like, I don't know what's going on, man. But if if you could string together your good plays and just do that for an entire game, you'd be a very good NBA player.
2: Yeah, it definitely, definitely feels like there's going to be Hazonia nights. <laughs> there, there's going to be a couple nights when he's it's those shots are dropping. And Tom, I I think, well, 2018, you can get mad at people for pretty much anything you want. And I think some people might say this is like racist, but it looks like he grew up playing basketball in another country. (laughs) And I've said the same thing, like Cantor's offensive rebounding is so special. And I think it's almost tied into that as well. And I think you could say the same about his offensive game.
3: I think we just lost Lasting Brass as our only sponsor.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Lasting Brass.
3: (laughs) No, but I mean, I will say Hazonia does play with just the least amount of conscience I've ever seen. Like, no one cares less about what other people think about them than Mario Hazonia. He's kind of a basketball sociopath. I think that's how I'd put it. I mean, he will just jack up shots with no regard for what anyone else would think. Like, why? But... At the same time, he, he made some buckets. He got the crowd into it. I, I feel like MSG is going to embrace him a little bit. Just that that brashness, that irrational confidence. I, I think I think he's going to be well received until he's put into a position where it matters, and then I think everyone will turn on him. It'll be like a, a Greek tragedy.
0: I'm I'm waiting to see the Azonia off the backboard pass to someone who shouldn't have a back <laughs> off the backboard pass thrown to them.
2: Ron Baker.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, that'll that'll be way too entertaining for me. Cause like like I said, we're not playing for much right now. So right now it's entertaining. And I can't imagine what's gonna happen like moving forward. Like he's he's gotta he's gotta settle down a little bit. But right now I kind of love it. And he was pulling down boards too. Like I feel like he had nine or ten boards in one of those games. Like I mean, he was plus fourteen in that Hawks game. Which they won by
0: nineteen
2: that was a lot of the team, yeah, <laughs> but yeah i I don't know he's uh i I was warned by some magic magic f- friends on magic fans I'm friends with say that a couple of times um and yeah it 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 outlived the expectation um he went for one total heat check at the end of the Hawks game, it was literally one v five and he he sent up a full rainbow um well boys i you you guys probably thought this was just me being an idiot and asking for help, but I, I think it's an important segment. It's the, what we miss and the biggest thing that's jumping out to me, a guy that we've talked a lot about preseason and we haven't really mentioned on the show, Trey Burke. Um, he comes out of these games. He's averaging 11.3, uh, 5.7 and 3.7 right now. Uh, he's, he's looked a little inconsistent looking like he's still finding his role. Do, um, Ken, do you want to start on Trey?
1: I mean, I don't I don't have a ton to say on Trey. It's just – it's a weird dynamic with Trey, Trier, and Hardaway because they're all gunners. Like, Trey Burke loved the team in assists last year, but, I mean, I, I don't really consider him a passer. And all of them seem to really want to shoot it, and particularly at the end of the game when all three of them were at the same time is a, just a really confusing time. But, like, Burke's a fun guy. Um, I – think the same thing about both Burke and Trier is that they're best suited to be an off the bench score. Um, I don't know how Burke is going to fit in as a, you know, kind of point guard of the future. And I think part of the reason that, um, that Frank is ending up guarding some of the bigger guys is because Trey Burke is just incapable of doing that when he's on the court and, you know, Trey Burke can only guard the point guard is basically what it comes down to because he's just so slight of frame, but you know he he puts the ball in the basket sometimes and he's been he's been shooting more threes this year whereas last year he was almost exclusively uh, mid-range twos so i'm uh you know not too high not too low but i think he had a he had a solid week
2: yeah tom am i i'm i don't am i misreading this am i overthinking it cuz actually if you look at the box scores i mean he had a pretty good game against the celtics he had a 11 9 3 2 steals uh, it went 0 for 4 from 3, but that is what it is. And then in the Hawks, he had a, a nice night too, uh, 15 points, 4 and 3. He he struggled a little, against, little bit against Brooklyn, 3 from 11 from the field. But what, what did you see from Trey?
3: Well, and I hate to go back real quickly about Mario Hazonia's rebounding. His, his game high was just 3 rebounds. Uh, <laughs> I just I felt compelled to fact check that because <laughs> I, was like, fine. I don't remember him grabbing that many boards.
1: M- must have been a preseason game. It, My it, bad. It felt I
0: like nine. I bet, I bet it was
1: three flashy rebounds. <laughs> he let you know he good was ones.
2: getting the rebound. He was no, was hold on, great. hold
1: on. You know what it was? I think, because now I'm remembering back, I think either uh, one of the announcers, maybe it was Clyde, said that he had just pulled down his ninth rebound. And I think it was actually someone else who pulled down their ninth rebound and he just wow. gave it to, he just said his and Throwing I,
2: Clyde under the bus.
1: Ken, I, I remembered, I remembered this at the time and I looked into it. I was like, that can't be real. And then it's sure enough, it wasn't. And then I completely forgot that I looked into it and it wasn't true. Well, so,
3: I'm glad I fact-checked it real yeah. <laughs> quick. Um, just going back to Trey Burke though. I'm Burke is leading the team in assists by a wide margin. He's, He's actually got 17 assists through three games to just three turnovers, which is really impressive for a lead guard, lead ball handler. Um, I I remember we posted something about him on Nick's Reddit and saw the some criticism that he was just very much a, a shoot-first guy, and he did, he wouldn't pass the ball unless he knew it was going to be a, result in an assist for him. But there were a few plays I remember thinking, like, oh, that's not true at all. Like, he, he actually does have good vision. He can set guys up, and he – uh, Kenny and I talked about it a little bit before um, at Lasting Brass Brewery, but I think Burke is the best passer on this team, and I think he's, he's got the best vision and, and he can penetrate the best and sort of draw defenders to him, opening other guys up. So I think as far as playmakers go, Burke is our best option. And, uh, you know, when the Knicks are in contention a couple years down the road, that <laughs> won't be the case. Hopefully Burke is like your fourth best playmaker. Uh, coming off the bench is sort of a spark plug. But at this point, um, he, he's the best that we've got.
1: And just a quick comment on, Th- on uh, what Tom was saying about him being a good passer. Is he did have one absolutely ridiculous pass uh, yesterday to uh, in the Celtics game to Enos Cantor that I had no idea how he slipped it between two defenders. But he slipped it between two defenders to Cantor for a layup. And I was like, all right, maybe this guy can ball
3: a little bit. That yeah. was definitely the play I was thinking of, so hopefully he had other ones like that.
2: And let me say, Lasting Brass Brewery Company is refreshing on a hot summer day, and I, I just love to drink all of their beers. No, I. it it will be interesting to watch with Trey. It, it is kind of funny on defense. I Something that, and we're, this is the stuff we miss section, the, and this is might be a wild stat to look back on, the Knicks had three turnovers against Brooklyn. I think they only had one in the second half, and they still lost the game. So that's where that's where it's a little touchy for me because that's extremely impressive, but also a little shocking that you could lose a game against Brooklyn while still doing that.
1: Yeah, that's that's pretty wild, especially since because I haven't I heard that stat and I didn't give it too much thought, but now that you're mentioning it, like especially since this is an extremely young team, and with extremely young teams, you would expect them to. Turn the ball over, but like three turnovers is absolutely ridiculous stat.
2: Yeah, and that's uh, again, we talked about Frank playing timid in the first game a little bit, and hey, maybe 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 Fizdale's really drilling the <laughs> the control of the ball stuff. I know every coach does, but um, yeah, I mean that talk about a, a wacky weird stat of the week brought to you by Lasting, Lasting Brass Blue Company. No, um, uh, I I think. Quick, quick around the horn because another guy we didn't talk about a lot, Kevin Knox. He had he had a big, a lot of misses the first night. He showed the flashes though, and I mean, that's all I'm looking for, right? Question mark, Ken?
1: Yeah, I mean, he, the first night he struggled shooting, um, but like they were up by so much, it didn't matter. The second game um, against Brooklyn, he played a big part in the fourth quarter again. Going back to the hot hand, he was playing well. They left him in. He hit a big three to tie the game, and like he was pulling down rebounds and he was playing solid defense, and that's what you want to see from your rookie uh, first round pick, and it was good stuff.
2: Tommy, Greg, any closing thoughts or Knoxy thoughts? You can't knock Knox. Ooh, I mean, he was he was
0: hitting shots in that second game. I didn't I didn't see it, but I mean, I've said this before, but. His shot looks good, it just hasn't been fallen and then that that second game it was fallen so that's that's what we're expecting him to become. We'll see more of that in the future and uh, get well soon.
2: Thomas I, I think I think you're you're close to the close. what do you Knox or any any final thought from you
3: yeah I mean Knox against Boston was I mean he was awesome I think he finished uh seven of 14 from the line. And three of four from three, zero turnovers. Um, so it's it's tough to beat that, especially from a rookie. So uh, love that. I will say, I know we uh, we kind of get into the, the Knicks nerd style and like to go at so some deep cuts for players, but we really yeah. haven't talked much about Tim Hardaway Jr. or Enos Cantor, who are probably <laughs> the two best players for the Knicks throughout the three games. Um, we talked a little bit about them. I know you burned about them, Jake. But I mean, Hard- Tim Hardaway Jr. He—I uh, mean—he he, kind of went off. He, he was averaging close to thirty, I think, through the first couple. And uh, you know, his his efficiency was a little hit or miss. He had some defensive lapses, but I mean, he was definitely aggressive. He was definitely our go-to guy down the stretch. Whenever we needed a bucket, he was the guy we were looking to. And he, he wasn't getting easy looks either. He was hitting some tough ones, some step backs, some step back threes, some mid rangers But he he managed to hit when they counted for the most part. And uh, I think that was that was really impressive. They kept cutting to his father and saying how proud he would be, and I, I think that's right.
1: Yeah, Tom. So twenty eight points per game last week, and I know he had twenty nine or he had. 31 in the first game, 29 in the second, which gives him what? 27 in the third. Is that Is that good
3: math? There's no way to do that math. Forget that, move on now.
1: Yeah, I'm going to move on, but he like you said, he was hitting big shots, particularly in the Celtics game, he hit, you know, he hit a couple straight threes that really got the crowd going and then, you know, he took two more heat checks and he missed them and things kind of went downhill from there, but The guy's a streak shooter, and when he's on, it's very exciting to see. But the first, so against the Hawks, he started out 0 for 4, I want to say. And then he went 8 for his next 8, like including a bunch of 3s. And then he closed the game going 2 for his last 10. So it's like, this guy's a streak shooter, but if you can find a streak long enough in the middle of the game, all the numbers average out, and it looks good. So just keep doing what you're doing, Timmy.
2: Yeah, and I'll 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 give Enos his love. I mean, he's he's averaging twenty-one and twelve right now. Uh two assists. Yup. Um, playing in the fourth quarter. And uh, Tom, you said it eloquently enough during the Brooklyn game. If he's gonna be that efficient and productive on offense, <laughs> then you play him. It's it's worthwhile. That's it's almost net net a win. Um he's been doing his thing, and I think most importantly with Canner is that you go through the offseason and you you start looking at advanced stats and you look at his contract and you're like, oh, we could sign this guy and he can't play defense, blah, blah, When you see it right with Canner, it's awesome. It's awesome. The things he can do around the bucket is super impressive. And with Timmy, I think it's important to note. yeah, he's, he's got a lot of volume going right now. Um, but a couple numbers to watch. He's In the past week, he's had six free throws per game, shooting 94%. And on 9.33s, he's shooting 39%. So if he can keep some of those numbers, I, I, it's it's tough to walk away that Tim Hardaway is going to average 28, 4, and 3. Um, although in my player profile and projection, I did say some nicer things than you gals. But I, if he can keep that three-point percentage up, go to the free throw line and make those, yeah, he's he's going to be a solid player for us. And I I think... You know, a lot of people poo-pooed. There's that word again, his contract. Um, and it I get it. You can do a lot of different things with money in this league, but there's still a chance, this guy's 26, that he could really be coming into his own.
0: Yeah, and Jake, you said hopefully he keeps up that 39% three-point shooting, and obviously, hopefully, he does that, but he shot 31% th- from three last year, so that's why our, our negativity was sure. as
3: such. Thomas? Uh talking about Cantor real quickly, um it was nice to see him step out and hit a three. Uh maybe he hit maybe
1: yeah. I think he just hit one, but it was just nice.
3: The just the one. But that was that was encouraging to see. I will say, like when you're watching him cook, it, it can be very impressive. And so you have to kind of remind yourself, why isn't this guy a perennial all-star? And why isn't this guy you know, why did he not get any fourth quarter minutes last year? And so I, I did go through the the uh, crunch time minutes for the, against the Brooklyn nets and a a major way that Brooklyn was getting their buckets at the end of the game was putting Cantor in pick and rolls. So D'Angelo Russell um, was being guarded by Trey Burke and they'd have uh, Jared Allen come up, set the screen for him on on the first play. It was was such a big play too. And, and just, he was up towards the three point line. He wasn't low in a defensive stance. And Russell just blew right by him for a wide open layup to go up one. And then the very next possession, they ran the same play. And this time, Cancer was like trying to learn his lesson. It was and was um, off a little bit. He was he had a foot in the paint to try and protect the rim. And D'Angelo just pulled up for an uncontested three. So I mean, a little bit of that is Burke getting over screens, but he's so small that he can't really do that. He needs the help of a big man. And and Cancer just provided nothing on either of those plays. And uh, and it really ended up being the difference in that game. So you, you see in plays like that why they're, why coaches kind of get driven crazy by him. But like I said before, if, if he's going 12 of 18 from the field, 5 of 5 from the free throw line, like that's so efficient that you can't really hate on what he does on the defensive end. You just have to take him out.
2: Yeah, that, that'll be interesting, Tom, because when you talk about a lot of defensive matchups or you know when they say you can't play canter or whatever it is, It'll be interesting to see, you know, not a lot of people would think Cantor and Burke would match up <laughs> as people you can't play together because you're thinking point guard center, they're not going to be guarding the same guys. But if you line those two up in a pick and roll, you, you're in a tight spot, especially at the end of the game. So,
3: and Fisdale recognized that too. He actually was going, uh, putting Lance Thomas in for Canter on defense um, for minutes at a time. So that was, I mean, he, he recognizes it too. It's just, it'll be curious to see, how um, how he just balances that going forward. If, if he'll go the full Hornacek route and have to and realize he has to sit cancer or if he'll be more, you know, risky with it and, and try and get what he can, you know, uh, maximize what cancer can do in those crunch time minutes and, um, and sort of play Lance Thomas just for defensive possessions or whoever it may be. Bonley.
2: Tom, I thought we'd go the whole episode without mentioning he who shall not be named, but you, you did it. Um, and I mean, hey, just a, a lot of excitement this year from Voldemort slash Hornacek. Um I, I think we're we're around our hour mark. I think where we want to be. Greggy Poon, hit hit us with hit us with your closing thoughts, bud.
0: Um, <clears throat> closing so, closing thought. I've I've only seen the Knicks play that one game against the Hawks, and the Hawks just defeated the defending Eastern Conference champions Cavaliers, one thirty three, wow. one eleven. So, wow. what does that say about the Knicks? <laughs> they're, they're legit one and know with a win over the team that beat the defending Eastern Conference champions. So we'll see you guys in the playoffs.
2: Feel like the old SNL hardball skit. Straight delusional from Greg. Thank you. Ken, what do you have?
1: Uh I don't know how much we want to go into these upcoming games, but I'm just gonna throw out my yeah. should I should I throw out my, my predictions for this week and then yeah, just call it a it. day? Do it. So, the upcoming games at Bucks at Miami versus Golden State at the Garden. Um, you, I mean, obviously they're going to beat the Warriors, probably going to beat the Bucks, probably be right. Miami. So, three and oh, right? Okay. Oh, but they're going to steal one of those games. Those are three good teams. Um, I can see the Knicks stealing one of those games. I don't know which one. If I had to take a guess, I'd say the Bucks because they're angry because they broke Porzingis. So, they're going to take it to them. And uh, we'll go one and two.
2: Okay. Thomas, predictions, closing thoughts.
3: So, one quick closing thought would be I'm curious to see how the Knicks offense will continue to look with their current shot diet. I wrote about this a little bit in my article. Again, for the B ball index, they are shooting the fifth most mid range jumpers per game, and they are shooting the third, or they're, they're third in the league in unassisted field goals made per game so they are getting their buckets without the help of their teammates it's a lot of isolation and you just wonder how efficient that can be um for the rest of the season they do have a lot of iso players but that it just rarely um portends well for for a strong offense right yeah (laughs) saw your face there jake for the word portends was that a real word We'll we'll look that up after to, to do a little fact check. I fact checked you on the Hazonia rebounding stack. Can you do me a favor? But uh, no, I, I think as far as predictions go, um, I, I'm thinking they're going to be competitive in nearly all of them, but uh, I, I think I'm actually going to like a, a two and one here in their next three games. I, I don't even, I, I even want to say which two they're going to win, but I'm going to keep it high level here and say – they went 1 and 2 despite having a positive net rating here. They actually were on the top net ratings in the league 3 games in, which means very little, but I uh, I'm going to say they're going to balance out and go uh, 2 and 1 in their next 3.
2: Greg, you got a prediction?
3: I mean, <clears throat> 2 and 1's essentially saying 2
0: and out, oh, basically, right? Cuz they're playing the Warriors, which is is the Yeah, one. but in
2: the Garden, Greg.
0: I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I mean, I don't know how good the Heat are, and like Kenny said, we don't like the Bucks because they broke Porzingis, and because Giannis hit that game winner over over Lance Thomas back in the day, which Kenny has that blocked out of his memory, but happened. So we don't we Wait, don't like the Bucks. We don't like what? the Bucks. We don't like the Bucks. And the Heat aren't that good. So I mean. I'll go two and
2: one. Why not? Let's Why do it, Tom. Okay. They're, they're, <laughs> they're going one and two. Um, but I I think that's it. I think that's episode one from the regular season of Talking Knicks. If, if you guys are joining us now, thank you. If if you're catching up, we did some preseason player profile and projection stuff. That was a lot of fun. Um, and, and, you know, some mini scouting reports on, on the Knicks team this year. So check those out if you want. Um, if not, we'll be putting these out weekly. We might be getting some bi weekly stuff going with some interviews and stuff. But uh, thanks for tuning in. If you could give us a five star rating, we really appreciate you. And uh, we'll, we'll be talking to you guys soon. And check us out at what is it? The at talking Nick's pod on Twitter.
1: At talking, talking without a G, Nick's yeah. pod. Oh, and uh, this goes back to um, lasting brass, Mike Piccolo, brother of Tom i um, asked us to explain what happened with our Twitter account because I mentioned it briefly. Um, we were suspended unclear why we got an, email, got an email from Twitter that says you were suspended for violating the Twitter rules specifically for colon and then a blank. Right. So we've been trying to get back on, but they haven't let us. So now we have the, this, the new account that's hopefully, hopefully temporary, but follow us there. And uh, if it gets switched over, we'll let you know.
2: Very much a sorry for partying situation, but uh, yeah, check that out. Thank you for listening, and we'll uh, we'll be talking to you guys next week. Let's go next.
1: Next take.